Hey, this is BBC Six Music. I'm Russell Brand. I'm here with Carl Pilkington. We're standing for Namone. She's gone away for a few days, so if you've tuned in particularly to listen to Namone, don't be cross with us just for being here, because we're, after all, the ones that have stayed. You know, just wish Namone a good holiday and enjoy the next three hours with us. We've got some wonderful tracks coming up. Um, what's first, Carl? I'll play one of these. BBC right, Six Music. That's The Cure with Close To Me. This is BBC Six Music. I'm Russell Brand here with Carl Pilkington. Just looking after the show, really, while Namone has a little bit of a break. You know, she's just having, like, a holiday from radio. But, like, she only works three hours a day, doesn't she, doing this job. So how much can she be enjoying her holiday? It's only between ten and one that she'll be thinking, oh, right, I'll be working now. Oh, but look at me, I'm just reclining here, not making any effort. Normally, oh, I'd be toiling, having to press switches and talk about records and stuff. Like, but the holiday, she can't really appreciate the holiday much because it's only three hours of a day that are actual holiday. It's not like she sort of worked in a mine gathering up things or li constantly listening to oh, that canary died yet. You know, she really lives a relatively pressure free life. But that's not to say, you know, I'm not attacking the moment. She does a lot of wonderful work. It's nice to, you know, get this opportunity to look after the radio show for her while she's away. It's just I don't want that feeling of like being like a substitute teacher, you know, like sort of if you have a substitute teacher in, to think, right, let's make things really difficult for this substitute teacher, grind them down. I suspect there's a, some vulnerability there. What we'll do is we'll destroy him, you know, so if I, I don't want to be looked on as that. I'm sort of like the parent that stayed in a divorce scenario, right? Sort of like, you know, sort of like when my dad left, when like, you know, I'd give my mum L sometimes. Really, she's the one that stayed, isn't she? Poor cow. She didn't need that kind of aggravation. Bless her heart. Yeah, we've got, um, here we've got Ardfire coming up now. Let's listen to that. We'll have a bit more chat. Give us a ring later if you want to. You can call, uh, 0800 100 600. 0800 100 600 for a bit of a chat or you can send us a text or an email. But I'd prefer to talk in person. You know, it's, it's nice so you can hear people's vocal tones. Let's listen to Hardfire. Nirvana in Bloom, this is BBC Six Music, you'll listen to Russell Brand. This is like that weird purgatory week, isn't it, between Christmas and New Year's Eve. Well, because like, when it's Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, then Boxing Day, then you've got New Year's Eve coming out. I sort of, like, I'm in that sort of weird hinterland where you forget what day it is, like, I don't know what actual day it is, days all get robbed of their meaning, don't they? Like, today definitely felt like a Sunday, I think. So that means, like, days have definitely got actual feelings if today sort of felt like a Sunday. You thought it felt like a Sunday and all, Carl, didn't you? What today? Today felt like a Sunday. If you had to sort of say, like, you know, you were just awoken from a coma, and yeah. you had to go, like, obviously you'd have other questions, first of all, like, why have you woken me so abruptly from this coma? Yeah. But if, like, you were awoken from the coma, the first thing that goes is, what day do you think it is? Right, instead of going, well, surely, you know, you're the ones that have not been in comas. Forget that, forget that, you know, that this, that this as a premise, has got difficulties, you would say that, what, what did you say earlier? Yeah, just sort of, yeah. But, but what, so are you saying if you put me in a room, mm -hmm. right? And I was put in this room for whatever reason. I don't know why I was put in there, right? Well, there's but then I come out get you out of the way for a start. Well, well I, you know, the, so time's gone by. Yeah. I haven't got a diary on me, have a, and a watch. Yeah, and also you can't see the window. There's a, there's a windowless room, so you can't see night, day, night, day, and keep some sort of record. You're in a windowless room for a, a month. Right. And then, like, they, they let you out of that room. They go, what day is it? You know, you'd have, I think you'd intuitively know. That what today was the day after Boxing Day. I don't think you'd know it was the day after bo Boxing Day, but I think you'd, that you'd go, hmm, I, th I think, in fact, I think you'd think that it was Sunday, like, you know, because days have flavours, that's what I'm saying, like, that days have flavours. You could say, oh, Wednesday, that's not got a particular personality, but it is different from a Thursday, isn't it? 
And I just think like that this Christmas period, Christmas Eve, Fox, it just it takes away. Oh, I don't know what day it is. Literally not knowing what day it is. Feel like an old person. Do you know what I mean? We're like sort of got no routine. But can we get rid of this week anyway? Just bin it. What? Just go. It's Christmas Eve. It's Christmas Day. It's New Year's Eve. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, 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 not even New Year's Eve. It's sort of like you know, it's it's Christmas Eve. Oh, it's really Christmasy in that. Oh, Christmas Day. Oh, brilliant. Look at me presents. Oh, it's it's a new year. Let's get going. No. Why are we messing about for a week? Well, because we have to stick to the calendar. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying, though, Bin it. We've, we've moving on. Everything's moving on. Why have we suddenly got this thing about sticking with a calendar? Well, we have, right, all right. There's the move astronomical movements of planets, but there are people that suggest that we should move to a decimalised calendar. Would it be ten months a year, ten days a week, ten hours? A, like everything would be just simplified like that. I mean, maybe like we could we could try that. So they know. are going to do it then. Well, I don't, I don't think they do. I don't think there's any weight behind it. I don't think it's going to be administrated, Carl. Well, I'm you just, just saying, said they're thinking about it. I'm saying it's a theory. It's a theoretical idea. Like you know, it's like you know, if a tree falls down in the woods, no one's actually going to ever you know. We'll never know. It's just a theoretical notion, isn't it? It's not. It's not. Well, this decimalisation is something that could get weight behind it if it had enough support. I mean, if people were going, yeah, yeah, we would like that. There's people that are dedicating their lives to it, saying like, let's bring get about rid this, of this week. Get rid of- they're not- they're not behind you on their getting rid of this week thing, but they think that we should decimalise everything. Ten hours a day, ten days a week, let's live like that. Yeah, but then you'd have to think of whole new day. Oh, Monday, Wednesday, then you'd have to- uh, looping day. You know, you'd have to think of new days, you know, it's, it's gonna be difficult to initiate. Well, I, I, don't, I don't understand why, uh... It's getting a bit heavy, this, isn't it, for this time of night? <laughs> I'm just, like, listen, Carl, I'm just, like, exploring some ideas. Perhaps let's reflect for a while. That's Black and White Town by Doves there. You're listening to BBC Six Music. I'm Russell Brand. I'm here with Carl Pilkinson. We're filling in for Namone. It's the 27th, Tuesday, the 27th of December. Although we're in that weird area where we don't quite know what day it is. It's the day after Boxing Day. I was just saying, like, there's people that say that we should decimalise the months and the and the calendar altogether. So it'd be 10 months a year, 10 days a week, 10 hours a day, I think. So that, like, you know, but Carl, you've got a problem with that. I, as don't, a I system. don't quite understand. T when you say 10 hours a day. Yeah. I can see that's going to be difficult. I mean, I think it would have to be subdivided because it would have to be around twenty, wouldn't it? Because otherwise, there'd no, be but, a day but, would but end. But I'll, be... I don't understand because you got to have a sleep. Mm, yeah. Because for us, you know, you're going to be extra tired because you're. Maybe you just sleep for one of those days, like you know, every other day you sleep that day. Yeah, that's what some of the days in, were... in Spain and or something. Well, you know, they have siestas. You know, yeah. they, they don't sort of just kip <laughs> for entire days. You know, they they just have the the occasional rest. But what I suppose I'm saying is that like that there's nothing absolute about the current calendar. We could just, you know, we don't have to. It's been made up anyway, hasn't it? At some point, it was made up. I mean, there are probably indigenous tribes untouched by civilization that just would laugh at the idea of Wednesdays. They would scoff Wednesdays. They'd say, well, "Just let it go." There's some fellas in um, Papua New Guinea. Yeah. Who do that? They don't have a. They, if you got them a diary for Christmas, they'd go, "What's this?" This is risible. They'd say, "This it is just, mocking our culture." Yeah, they don't. They don't use them. I just cast it away, just going with, and, and they're probably all the happier for it. Here, look, we got a text, Carl, it says, Ear Russell, but it's spelled ear like ear, like audio ear old luggo. Who sang a song with the lines, bring back hanging, bring back hanging, bring back hanging, repeated three or four times? Is it Nectary number nine? That's from Steve and Jack from Barrow. Well, like, I don't know. Do you yeah, know? Let's pop it out there, that's what. That, that's out there now, isn't it? That bit of, like, if you know the answer to that question, could you, um, perhaps you can assist, yeah, text us. 64046. Is that the number? the answer, 64046, yeah. Yeah, text us with But also, you know, any, anyone who knows anything about 
you know, diaries and stuff. Well, like, and also, yeah, this decimalisation thing, whether or not it would be a good idea, like, to simplify things, you know, like, sort of how, um, like, we have to, we could, you know, we can meddle with time. Firstly, there's Doctor Who, he's a time lord, he meddles with it perpetually. Then, like, you know, we do have the hour, clocks go back an hour, clocks go forward an hour, that sort of thing goes on all the time, doesn't it? So it's not like time cannot be tampered with. But that's, that's for farmers and that, isn't it? Yeah, it's for the farmers. The farmers, I think. It's, I didn't realise that farmers had so much power. Like, yeah. you know, sort of like, well, it's very. Da- what is it? Because the farmers don't want to get out when it's that dark. Yeah, but can't they just, I don't know, buy them a torch or something? It would be I don't simpler. understand why everybody's got to change just because the farmer's getting up. Yeah, because what if the farmers start making greater demands? Like, right, I think everyone should wear spangled leggings throughout yeah, the spring. Like, well, the farmer said it, get them on. <laughs> get them just... leggings on. Yeah. The farmer has spoken. Who is the farmer? You See, I, I used to always think that time thing, yeah. you know, like, right, put your clocks back or whatever. Yeah. I thought that was invented for, like, watchmakers. Because- but How would it benefit them? Because a lot of people break the watches around that time of year where they're trying to reset them and stuff. Right. Right? And so they guaranteed so the a bit of work. Industry. Yeah, they guaranteed a little bit of work. I suppose it's no more preposterous the watch industry having that kind of power. The farm, you know, as farmers actually have got that amount of power. So the, the agricultural industry, but I suppose agriculture is significant, isn't it? Like sort of to the Western world, agriculture is what's defined us from earlier nomadic, gr- you know, uh, parts of our cultural history. But watchmakers, it wasn't like, you know, if you look back at human history, oh, then there was the watchmaker age that defined us, you know, agriculture is an important thing, so I suppose farmers, even if they do say something like, why don't we all wear clogs and get up at dawn, yeah. you know, or, or make it night time in the middle of the afternoon, we've got to heed the farmer. Anyway, listen, Carl, we can't just bicker on endlessly about the power of farmers. We've got, um, a session track now, this was, uh, recorded by Primal Scream in 1994 for a Radio 1 lunchtime show. Imagine it's, and it's trapped in a bubble, it's Primal Scream rocks. Guillemot's there with Trains to Brazil, this is BBC Six Music, I'm Russell Brand here with Carl Pilkington, we're standing in for Namone. Um, yeah, just had a bit of an awkward moment here because, um, like, you know, we've got a producer from BBC Music, Steph, she was in the room with us and I, I, I thought, oh, oh, another person in the room, I don't know if I'll be able to relax, that wasn't explained to me when I took on being a substitute teacher for Namone. I sort of had a, a little panic because I thought, you know, oh, it's my first time here, you know, maybe, uh, like, Steph being here might put me off. Also, I do like to broadcast with my trousers down sometimes and I, I won't feel at liberty to do that, right? So, like, but I didn't know sort of how to say anything, it's sort of like really difficult situation when you have to, like, when you have to sort of just confront reality, like, and sort of say, oh, well, actually, I'm not sure about it, because I'm English, of course, as well, don't like complaining, oh, did you enjoy that food? Mm. There's a lovely scene in the film, his girlfriend visits him, and, like, they visit, you know, like, sort of often in prisons, in Turkish prisons, I don't know how familiar you are, Carl, there's, like, a glass plate between the visitor and the prisoner, and he, in his sort of deluded, delirious mental state, got her to, like, press her, you know, her boobs, up against the, yeah, up against the glass and everything, and he just sort of drooled in that, and she was sort of a bit emotional and crying. But they wouldn't look that good, would they do that? against the glass, I like that. But isn't that like a, a rubber with tights on his head? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't do anyone any favours. To, dis- to distort the identity of the boob, so <laughs> the, the boobs can remain anonymous, continue lactating into the mouths of strangers with their identity protected. No, I think it looks quite nice, like a wonder bra, isn't it? Like a see-through glass wonder bra. I think it's not. Anyway, I feel a bit bad about sort of Steph, but like, was, like you know, asking Steph to go out of the room, but it was just one of those things, you know, sort of felt uncomfortable. There's a term in psychiatry, right? The elephant is called the elephant in the room, right? 
Are you having a go at her? <laughs> I'm not suggesting that she was a literal elephant in the room because she's a very spelt lady. Just so like, in it, what it is, is like, the elephant in the room means in psychiatry and therapy it's mentioned a lot. It's like there's a very obvious thing that we're all aware of but no one's mentioning it. Like, uh, say you had, like, you was having a conversation with a woman, she had, like, a lot of moles dangling over her, from her eyelid. Yeah. You'd, like, you'd be talking to her, you'd think, oh, don't mention the moles dangling in from her eyelid, but you'd be aware of it, wouldn't you? But isn't it, it, wouldn't it be best to say? I always think, look, you know, the woman with the moles on her face, yeah. she knows she's got the moles, mm. she's probably feeling quite awkward. Like, okay. I've got a bald head, yeah. right? And some people would go, oh, don't mention the bald head because it'll offend him or it'll yeah. make him worried. Whereas yeah. I like to say, look, you know, I, I, I've never met you before, I've got a bald head, let's get that out of the way. Right, I'm getting cards on the table, my head's, Basically, my head's yeah, I've got a bald head, let's move on, do you know what I mean? Right, so it's not there, it's not there sort of underneath the surface, sweltering away. Well, that's quite good, because then you, because the elephant in the room can often be a very oppressive thing, if there's something we're not talking about, sort of like, say you, you know, like your, the, your relationship's breaking down, your wife's had an affair, you know, but you're just yeah. not addressing it. You know, that's, that's going to be difficult and damaging for your relationship. It's best to have, you know, to have an open dialogue about these things. So I think in a way, what we did, like what I did, I'll take the rap for it, it was better, wasn't it, for me to just openly to, say... To do it, you left it a long time, you were sat there looking a bit odd, so I think <laughs> she knew something was wrong. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I, I sort of, yeah, I collapsed inwardly for a while, like, sort of, because I thought, oh, but now, to think, thinking about it, I think it might be nice to have Steph back in here, tell me, tell the truth, I'd be more comfortable with her than you, Steph, also, that bald head of yours gets right on my nerves there, I've said it. That's all my love, Led Zeppelin, this is Russell Brand on BBC Six Music. You know um, that Jimmy Page out of Led Zeppelin was all into the occult and uh, was mates with Alistair Crowley, the famous necromancer and occultist leader. Did you know that, Carl? Do you know anything about Alistair Crowley? What sort of cult do you mean? Like, it's sort of like, ooh, dark arts. Well, Alistair Crowley's defining sort of phrase, he's like a... Epitaph or whatever, his favourite aphorism maxim was Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. That's what he said, that should define everything. Well, do, just what do what you want, right? Do what you want. That's what he says that life should be defined by. I don't, you know, uh, like say if you went to Alistair Crowley and presume, I don't know if to what degree Jimmy Page followed it, but like, you know, presumably Jimmy Page for the sake of argument, they say, if you went, oh, you know, I'm thinking about, like, driving my skateboard into, like, my cousin's shins. And he'd say, do, do it, then. Do it, Just if you on. want. Do it, want. If you're going, like, um, I'm thinking of, like, um, like, putting sort of white spirits into my fish tank. Do it, do it, do it, do it. Do it. <laughs> do it. So as soon as you fought it, you might as well do it. But then, like, um, Was he known for that, though? Is that his only one saying that he did? That's that? his main one. That's, like, his main saying. That's, that's like his that. main one. What, what the hell is that? Didn't get remembered because that isn't that that good. Well, I think that's all right. I mean, I'm not do saying, what you want. I'm I'm agreeing with you. <laughs> yeah, do what you like. I mean, I think take that. Add a song that was a had a, espoused a similar ideology, and they've not gone down in history. Jimmy Page ain't queuing up to be mates with him. But like, what I'm saying is, is that he embodied and espoused certain occultist views that were, you know, all very exciting and very dangerous. Well, the fact that Jimmy Page wanted to get in with him, it can't have just been that, it can't have been do what you like, you know, there must have been more to it than that. But then, hold on, before we go too far down, shall we go with um, Alistair Crowley and Jimmy Page on the, as soon as you feel the desire, give in to it. Mm. There's also the alternative view um, that Krishnamurti, the Eastern philosopher, he says, if ever you think of, like, like say you're sort of like thinking, oh, should I give this homeless person 50p or not? 
you should give him the 50p because most of the time we go through life on autopilot so if it ever occurs to us if it occurs to us to make a decision always do the good See, thing always do the higher s- thing sometimes you know like you know we're in we're in london yeah see six music yeah. yeah and sometimes i'll be walking through london and and one of my pockets is made just for money and bits of change for homeless people what you you've just designated that as the yeah, homeless it's pocket. just a left hand pocket it's kind of like any when, whenever i'm given change yeah. in the shop i'll look at it and i'll go couple of twos couple of fives and a ten you just give them the twos the five the tens not straight away i put them in the left hand pocket ready yeah for when i see but would a 50 not make it into the homeless no, pocket no 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 the homeless pockets for low denomination coins only yeah right so yeah. they're in the left hand pocket but sometimes if i'm walking down the street and i see an homeless fella yeah i put my hand in my pocket right but if he doesn't ask, he doesn't get. <laughs> you don't just dish it out. I don't just chuck it out for the sake of it. Yeah. If he says, "All right, mate, have you got any change?" I'll go. Yeah, I yes, have. I have. I'm going to left hand pocket. And how much is he getting in total, probably? It depends because if I if it's been a busy day beforehand, yeah. and I've been walking about a lot. There's a lot yeah. of homeless. It's about. like a rollover pocket. Kind of is. Yeah, it's potluck. Yeah. So, but, uh, but if you've just you've just put, been in and bought your papers and that, then he's only going to get sort of like seven or eight pence. Yeah. Do you expect anything in return from that? Not directly from the homeless person, but I know that if I give money to a homeless person, I do expect I do sort of give homeless people money because I want a bit of good luck. Do you know what I mean? I sort of think I've given that homeless person fifty p. I'm entitled to good luck. I sort of use homeless people same as a wishing well. I mean, give that homeless person a quid. I'm entitled to you know. Oh please, please let me get that job. Yeah. Or, please, it, I'd it, like to go to that girl. Yeah, it makes you feel bit better doesn't it yeah when you give them so normally if i've had a good night out yeah i sort of think well i've had a, a, you know, a nice meal and stuff yeah um put normally, something back normally around christmas time um but there was one where, like last christmas right i took my girlfriend out right, yeah. for something to eat and we were on our way out at about eight o'clock but it's dark mm-hmm. right and i saw like a little homeless fella in a doorway and i thought i'll give him a quid yeah right? but he was asleep yeah and I thought, at what point when you're homeless do you say, do you know what, fancy an early night? Yeah. Well, he's probably just tired, delirious, or has drugged himself to sleep because of the unbearable pain. What time was it? Well, about, it's about quarter past eight, I think. I don't think time's relevant if you're homeless. Like the thing I was saying about the calendar, you know, if you're homeless, you're just out on the streets, aren't you? What, what does it matter? Like, oh, must be up early in the morning, I've got a full day of excruciating poverty before me, I must get some shut-eye. Just sleep when you can, if you're homeless. So I, mean, I don't think you have to stick to some regimented schedule, Carl. That must be one of the few pleasures of being homeless is you are your own boss. Do what you want. Yeah. So, so they do can what actually you do like. that saying, do what you want. Do, do what, what you want. like shall be the whole of the law. Well, I'll tell you yeah. what I'm going to do. Go on. Play some Prince, because well, that's just what I want to do. Look at you living by your will. That was going nowhere, cut copy. This is BBC Six Music. I'm Russell Brand here with Carl Pilkington till one o'clock in the morning. If you want to send us an email, you can do that at russell.sixmusic at bbc.co.uk, russell.sixmusic at bbc.co.uk. Let us know what you're up to. Or you can text us at 64046. Got a text here, uh, another text, right, from Steve and Jack. It says, here, Russ, me again. But, right, there's an exclamation mark after ear, so they're exclaiming, ear, right, mm-hmm. they, well, they want our attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
me again about calendars and stuff. Did you know that this year will be one second longer than last year, according to the Sun, Steve and Jack? Right, but, he's all, but he says me again, but it says Steve and Jack. So that's two people. So it should be us again, shouldn't it? But I suppose if it is Steve, well, that's right. It's costing ten pence to send that. I'm, I'm not. I'm not negating. I just wanted to clear up whether I'm to s regard this text as being from Steve and Jack or just Steve. You know, maybe he's got Jack might have different views. It says that, um, that anyway. The important thing really is that this year is going to be one second longer than last year, according to the Sun. That means like the time is slowing down. Who's asked for this? Is this the farmers again? <laughs> I don't think this is our farmers request. Could we, <laughs> could we have years that are a bit longer? We want to go fox hunting. We want people to wear really spiky shoes. We want to be able to brush underneath foxes with the palms of our hands. They've got a lot of demands, ain't they? Yeah. In the farming community. So, so what, why is it happening then? You're saying because well, it's slowing down. Really, I'll just say that this illustrates that time is immutable Quantity. That's what yeah. I say. I mean, I don't know much about quantum physics. But they haven't gone mad, though, have they? It's a second. Right. Yeah. Have an extra second. It's not like you can do extra. What are you going to do with your extra second? Um. Oh, too late. That's it. That that literal that little bit of contemplation you yeah. just had. You've used it out. I mean, go mad. Chucking another three. Another I mean, three it's seconds. Make, it's not going to make any. I don't know what point. you could achieve. But hold on. Don't Eminem say that you know it only takes a second to you know any moment you could change your life. Yeah, I think that might, a, a, a sort of something like that appeared on the poster for an eight mile, it yeah. only takes, you know. Yes, you, you saw had he, he was saying something about seven seconds as well, wasn't he? Yeah, right, seven seconds away, in his sort of Paul Young type of voice that he had. Do you yeah. know this, like, the world slowing down and that, though, right? Yeah, go on. You're saying you've got an extra mm, second, extra second. That. Is that because of the amount of stuff that's getting on the world? What do you mean, so like, the, the fit is... I think that you regard um, f quantum physics and astrophysics like from the perspective of Superman 2, like that, that oh, the world's got loads of stuff on it, so it's getting slowed down. We need yeah. Superman to re rewind it a little bit, like he did when Lois Lane died. I know, but look at it though, right? Look like like the world when it when it started. Yeah, right. It's pretty empty on it. It's quite barren. It was barren. There weren't much going on. Right. Suddenly, got loads of houses. Yeah. You've got all these big buildings being knocked Factories. out that we don't really need. There's too many of them, aren't they? Like big offices. There's plenty. That. There's a surfeit, yeah. So that's that's going to slow it down a bit, isn't it? Yeah, well, I suppose it's it not a would. bad idea. Well, then, doesn't Einstein say that matter cannot be created or destroyed, only transformed? Like, you know, so when that's true, if you think of us, like a house, that was cement and sand and bricks and that, and it's been made. You know, so mate, I think there's the same amount of stuff on the earth as there always was. No, 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 but then you've got a three-piece suite that's been put in that house. And it's all, it all adds up, doesn't it? But I think that three-piece suite has been made out of stuff that was already here. You know, it's not like no, sort of like, no one's gone by Kazam and created one. And even if it's like new beings being born, they're still being created from cells from like whoever, you know, birthed them out. So I don't know, I don't think the world's getting heavier. I don't think that's why time's slowing down anyway. So I think you need to dramatically reconsider that. And perhaps you should do that during the next track, Carl. Mm. Dead Leaves on the Dirty Ground by White Stripes there. This is BBC Six Music. I'm Russell Brand. Dead Leaves, Dirty Ground. It's all a bit dour and downbeat, isn't it? But it's because he, he knows she's not around. I suppose he's unhappy. That seems to be the, the central message. Yeah, I've got um, uh, a text message here. What does Carl smell like? Does he smell like dead dogs? Um, 
Well, I don't know. I don't really ever smell him. Like not from this distance. I'm assuming that it, I've not smelled dead dogs either. But I reckon if someone did smell of dead dogs, you'd be able to smell them uh, from a meter away, wouldn't you? The smell of death. It's got to carry over a meter. So I think I can uh, can confirm that no, he don't. Also, he, I know that he's got quite a regimented beauty routine. For example, the other day he went and had a facial. Yeah, but well, that's the first time ever, and that's because you you gave it to me. Yeah, that's not the sort of thing I hang around. I, I, I probably won't go again. You enjoyed it though, didn't you? Um, a little bit weird. What, what was weird about it? Didn't you like it? I just was lying there. Well, first of all, she annoyed me because she put like a, a hair hat on my head, which I don't need. Because rubbing the baldness, it in. the aforementioned baldness. And speaking of baldness, right, let me just yeah. tell you this. Stephanie's sat in there waiting for emails. She's looking at internets on combs and stuff. So yeah. she's rubbing it in. <laughs> yeah, why is she looking at the combs? Because she's got hair and I haven't. She's probably going, look what I can do. Right? Comb my lustrous, do. glorious brown hair. Well, she just rake it across your scalp. But, yeah, the old, um, sort of facials and yeah. colonic and all that. Where, when did that suddenly start happening? I think it was people just got more body conscious and more self-aware because it's become more vain, more narcissistic and more self-involved. What I liked about that facial um, was when I met you just before the facial, I waited for Carl in a cafe sort of like round the corner from the place and it was quite a low beat sort of a cafe mm. and even though it was in Kensington it was quite sort of, which is a posh area, it was quite a sort of a dour, sort of an ordinary sort of calf. And like I was waiting, but while I was waiting for him, I sort of met these, like these two women, right? One of them was about 50, one of them was about 40. One of them was quite a busty sort of a woman, you know, quite attractive, but about 40. The other one was sort of 50. They're both sort of like quite brassy sort of a women. I sort of, I imagined, this might be my prejudice, I imagined they were married to criminals. That was, that was, you know, yeah. I don't want to judge them, but that's what I imagined. And I was sort of talking to them, goes, oh, my mate's coming, like, we, we know we're going for a facial, I've, you know, I'll get them for nothing. Like, people give you vouchers to go and have a free fa facial. My mate Carl's coming, he's from Manchester. Chester, he's a bit afraid of things he doesn't understand and the unknown. Uh, and like so they were oh, right, okay. And when Carl arrived at the for, like arrived at the cafe to meet me before the facial, one of the women just off her own back goes, Yeah, right, we we're, um, yeah, we're gonna do this facial here. She was nothing to do with the facial, it's just a random woman that I've met in the cafe. Yeah, we're all right, love you for the facial. Um, yeah, 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 I am all nervous and stuff. And she goes, Right, we'll sit down, we'll do the facial, we'll do the facial here. Meanwhile the lovely busty one had gone off to the toilet, she re emerged from the lavatory, Carl went, Hold on, what's happening here, what's happening? Thought that we'd got into some sort of brothel scenario. Judging me on accounts of my past, things that I've moved away from. It's a lovely little conundrum. But then when you went into the facial, you were still like, a bit edgy, didn't like wearing that little dressing gown, did it's, you? It's, it's just like they know that they're in control and they're making you put on this little dressing gown that didn't fit even. Yeah. So I felt really sort of like open. Did you feel, you felt a bit exposed? You looked, ex you looked, you looked like a sort of a sweet little Japanese girl. Yeah, I didn't like it. And then I, I don't understand. Why is it that whale noises are meant to be relaxing? Well, I don't know, so, well, I guess because of our primal, like, you know, perhaps at the dawn of time, when we were still marine animals, it'd be comforting, wouldn't it, to listen, oh, there's a lovely whale. But I don't know, maybe it's just like, oh, it could be moaning, like, oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, oh, can you turn that off? She went, no, it's relaxing. I said, it's not, it's annoying. <laughs> you didn't enjoy listening to that whale. What would you rather have? What would settle you? What kind of music or sounds would you have preferred to have had in that the situation? The sound of the sea, waves, waves are quite relaxing. Right. It's just not the animals that are in it, or just the creatures or the mammals or whatever, just just give me the sea. Maybe so yeah, yeah, I've got an idea. Would you rather have had Enjoy the Silence oh, by Depeche one. Mode? What about that? That's Star Sailor this time. This is BBC Six Music. I'm Russell Brand here with Carl Pilkington. We're standing in for the moment, just keeping things going, keeping the world spinning. 
Um, so we've got a phone call now from, uh, is it Lucian? Are you there, Lucian? Hello, yeah, this is Lucian. Well, yeah, it's, uh, well, thank you very much for, uh, calling us. Uh, what, what seems to be the trouble? How can we help you? Well, I'm just, uh, finding up to clarify this thing about the daylight savings. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's for fathers. I'm the, the nephew of a farmer. You're a farmer's nephew, are you? Yes. And I expect uh, with that comes a certain amount of responsibility, don't it? No, there's no responsibility. No duties to be performed on the farm or anything? Well, no, not really. I don't live near the farm. I sometimes go there. We've just been there, actually, for Christmas. Was it nice, Stephen? Nice. It was alright, yeah. I mean, it's a little bit depressing. Why? Well, uh, because of the fall of agriculture and everything? Yeah. Industrialisation of farming, it's going to be depressing. Exactly. Yeah. It's no yeah. longer a working farm. But really, it's just a... Well, then, perhaps your your uncle will g g release his stranglehold over the quantum physics and let the day start when it's meant to start. That's what well, I'd say. M maybe that can happen now. That, that's my point. I'm saying that surely that can happen now because farming is now a defunct industry. But in the olden days, uh, the farmers needed to get up when it was light. And so that's why we had daylight savings. Right. But now... The, now the, far, the farmer's got to take his icy grip off the throats of the common man and just let us get up at a, a sensible hour. Let me tell you, it's the other way around. The common man has an icy grip around the throat of my uncle. Well, it, it, is it a, a literal grip or is it very much a metaphorical grip? It's the same metaphorical grip that you started, yeah. It's not a literal grip. Yeah, well, my metaphorical grip was grounded in reality, Lucian. My one, it was a metaphor, but it was based on reality. So and the reality of your tiny mind not understanding uh, daylight savings. I, I understand that, you know, if you're going to meddle with time, why don't we just now announce that it's six o'clock and all stop and, like, have a cup of tea and watch some cricket or something, you know, like... You can hang yourself by your own petard as you're doing exactly this moment. What a nonsense thing you've just said. I'm hung, not, by, not by my own petard. Of all the things to get hung by, my own petard is the most yeah. humiliating, isn't it? Yeah, I'd, I'd or, or your some... tongue, your little tongue licking its words out, is tying itself around your neck and strangling you on radio. That's an horrible way to die. You've got the mind of a criminal genius, Lucian. And also, why is it, do you know that, that this year's going to be one second longer? Oh, is it? Yeah, there's a whole... You're going to blame that on the farmers as well, are you? Well, I think they've mm -hmm. got to take some responsibility for it. They're dabbling in, in our affairs. What about the electricians and engineers? Well, I, I don't think that they've ever gone, can it now be midnight? I don't think electricians and engineers have ever done that, Lucian. Well, the farmers have never done it. They've, been, they've had too much power. The farmers didn't say, Oi, we want the, the clocks forward. This we were quite happy. I'm not a farmer, I shouldn't be saying we. But um, it was the government saying, look, too many farmers are not getting up uh, and they're not being able to go to the... They can go in and, and take part in the community activities. We've got to set the daylight hours according to the, 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 the lay of the land. Lucian, I appreciate your call very much, but your blinkered loyalty to your farmer uncle is bewildering. This is Six. Six. You're listening to BBC Six Music, I'm Russell Brand. That was Was Not Was with Outcome the Freaks. Before that was uh, Johannesburg by Gil Scott Aaron. I like that um, The Revolution Will Not Be Televised by Gil Scott Aaron, which he talks about, you know, oh, if there was a revolution, it will not be brought to you live on radio, it won't be sponsored by. It talks about, like, the nature of a revolution, what a revolution would actually be like, and that like, the revolution will not be televised. Now, I always used to think, you know, yeah, I like this, and I'm, I'm up for the idea of a revolution. Are you, Carl? Um... Not really worried about it. Right, if you don't think to, you don't think deeply enough. I'd like a revolution, but if it was gonna, if there was gonna be a revolution, and I weren't gonna be right at its core, manoeuvring it at its heart, yeah. I would want it to be on the telly. 
just to, you know, say, well, how's it going? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you'd, you'd want to be involved with it, wouldn't but you? But it would get on the telly. I mean, there's loads of channels now, isn't there? There is, yeah. There's, they couldn't ignore it, could they? Like oh, a story like this, there's a revolution. Let's put it on. Yeah, yeah put it on. How much coverage can you give to, like, sporting events or, like, you know, makeover shows? Where would, there's would, a revolution you do, would you pay? Would, would that be a pay-per-view for you? Would you Would you bother? Or? Yeah, I'd invest in watching a revolution. I suppose what yeah, Gil yeah. Scott Aaron was saying is that when the revolution comes, it won't be part of corporate consumer culture. We will have overthrown things like television. I suppose that's the central message. But even then, wouldn't you set up a more radical television network that would cover the revolution, bring it to people, and encourage them? I reckon Che Guevara, Fidel Castro, the Cuban revolutionaries, if they'd had access to telly, they would have gone, well, yeah, put the revolution on. It's going to encourage people, you know. But, oh, cause mass communication, right, as I'm about to demonstrate by reading out this text message from Rory, vital in a revolutionary movement, or even if you're in a revolutionary movement, even if you just want to have a bit of a chat, right? R Rory goes, um, right, he's happy that we played that De Depeche Mode tune because he didn't know the title before, and it was appropriate, right? Um, because, because he was on a bus coming from Stansted, right, it was Enjoy the Silence. Stan he was on a bus coming from Stansted from a plane in which nobody like, bothered speaking, even though the plane was going funny, by which I assume means there was turbulence, or it looked like, you know, that the, the plane was in jeopardy for a while, and instead of putting on the fast and the seatbelt signs, they put on a no smoking sign instead. Well, if ever there was a situation where you'd want a cigarette, it was when you plummet into your doom mm. on, on, on an aeroplane, and it said the, the, um, the stewardess didn't know how to turn on the lights for landing, so had to land in darkness after that. And then he says something's a bit sexist, all the stewardess didn't know how to turn the lights on, then he apologises in case they're sexist, so fair enough, he's been a little bit sexist and immediately apologised for it, so I think that's fair enough. Uh, and then he asks, why are you lot all getting radio shows at Christmas? But we're not you lot, are we? There's only two people in this room. But we can help him with the, the, the plane thing. Yeah, that must have been really frightening. Have you ever... I've suffered turbulence once, so I was all really turbulent, all the dinner flew everywhere, and I did think, oh, no, this is it then, this is going to be my terrible death, it's going to be on this plane looking at these faces. But, you know, as it turned out, it was all all right, just got a bit of dinner on me. I, I don't like it, I don't like flying. Why? I just, I just think it's a bit weird, isn't it? Why is it? up, but I don't... I always have that thing of... We shouldn't be up here. See, we're all on radio now, so, you know, sort of technology immediately subverts, like, the natural state. We weren't meant to walk on our own legs, were we, Carl? What do you want to do? Sort of dwell in caves, never going anywhere, staring at your own ghoulies. Mm. Sounds like a good night in. Sounds like, yeah. I mean, it's not too different from your actual life, is it? Yeah. So you've got a remote control in your hand and access to the internet. But do you know, like, I tell you what I always, like, I'm fascinated by on planes and that, right? Do yeah. you know, like, when somebody's ill? Yeah, I do know that. There's always a doctor on the plane. Okay, is there a doctor on the plane? Yes, there is. Yeah, over here. And there always is. How do you, where are you getting that knowledge from, though, Carl? You're getting it from films. No, no, just because I've been on a couple of long flights, and that's when it always happens. The old people, the, the legs start clotting up or whatever. <laughs> and <laughs> the old go, legs clotted. And they go, oh, is there a doctor on? And there always is. They never go, oh, there isn't one on. What are we going to do? There's always one. I and don't yet, reckon that No, honestly, there is. And the point is... You know, us, you know, nurses and doctors always say they never get en enough holidays. Yeah. Yeah, whenever somebody's ill, they're always, they're always on the thing. Yeah, if the toilet's bunged up and they ask for a plumber, right. never one about. Never one about, but then they can just drop the whoopsie directly onto the ground below, can't they? They should never need a plumber, just a stick. Good point. Fair enough. <laughs> Mm. 
lottery winners on Acid Crimea there. Uh, I really like, I got into that, I quite liked it, it's sort of quite upbeat, it's took me away a little bit, but I can't help but think about, like, as soon as anyone says lottery winners, I have to think about, is it Mike Carroll or whatever that is always referred to as Lotto Lout, Mike Carroll, whatever he's called, that proper, like, he's, I, well, I, I like him, because I like it that sort of, he's just built himself a sort of a moat of vulgarity with his wealth, right, he does like all that stock car racing like, on, his on his grounds of his mansion and all his like neighbours are oh, God, this was such a lovely neighbour that he just, he burns tyres and that, he's just all <laughs> reckless living his life with all the band of his sovereigns and like when he had to go to court to be given an asbo, he just uh, like, he turned up drinking beer like in the court, well you can't do that, you know, you're in court, you're, well, I'm rich, I should drink beer wherever I choose, I like it, I like the decadence of it, I'm into him, do you like him? Uh, he's alright. Yeah, alright, yeah. I'm really pro him as a person. You see, I, I wouldn't want that much money, I don't think. Why? Uh, just money brings you hassle, doesn't it? With money. No, because imagine if you've got absolutely. I think what money does is it provides you with some sort of buffer zone, protects you from the world, right? Because, like, like, if you've got. Like, if you're really rich, you don't even have to look at gas bills, you don't even know that there are problems in the world. If you've got a bit of money, oh, it's alright, you can stay in hotels, you can get cabs everywhere. If you've got no money, you're just on the street. No, yeah, but hold on a minute. I didn't say I didn't want any. Right? I wouldn't be sat here pressing these buttons for you and that, would I? If I didn't want any, I could have stayed at home. Right, okay, but so that's what's due your ear for money. I thought that there was at least some vocational love. Yeah, that it's just, just about Christmas is expensive, isn't it? And, you know. You're like a radio mercenary, aren't you? No, but do you. You're like a radio A team. Don't, don't you know what I mean, though? Like, face having, having, having money in that, yeah. it's like you've got loads of money, so suddenly you've got to spend it, so you've got to find things to do, like travelling around the world and that. If I won the lottery, I wouldn't tell my girlfriend. What, you just have a secret stash of millions? Well, like I, I just, because she'd start saying, oh, let's go to India and all that, and I'd be like, I don't want to go to India. Why don't you want to go to India? I just don't want, you've got all injections in there. <laughs> so if you need an injection, you shouldn't be going there. <laughs> I think that you've got to have to start embracing life a little bit more. Well, I did. I, I had a facial last week. Because yeah, I fair enough. You have made a scene about it, though, didn't mm -hmm. you? We've got a nice text message here, surprised by the quality of music on your show, always had you down for a shandy drinker that would hang out with menswear in Camden. I do live near Camden, I've never met menswear though. Keep up the good work, that's from Paul, thank you Paul for that endorsement. Although, uh, I can't drink shandy because I'm a recovering alcoholic and drug addict, so even, even a shandy could push me over the edge. Really? Yeah, even a shandy. That would be t like, though he's poorly saying, you know, shandy drinking would, like, is an effeminate thing to do. That, for me, that would be, that would be butch. That would be like a desperate band drink for me now, a shandy. Although, you know, sort of in the day, I did sort of pour tequila into my eyes. Got a bit down again, aren't I? What? I sort of brought it all down a bit. Put the energy, talking about alcoholism. Yeah, well, I'm three years clean, I've had a nice Christmas, everything's all jolly. Um, if you want to send us a text message, what's the number of text messages, Carl? Uh, 64046. Nice, send us a text yeah. message. Uh, email russell, russell.sixmusic.bbc.co.uk. And so send us either of those. You so can so telephone yeah. if you want. And Rory, he's like Rory, who's just had that um, like near-death experience up in the skies, he's still on the bus, apparently, he's continuing with his nightmare on there. I once know someone who, on a bus, committed an act of onanism, that means manual self-pleasuring, on a bus. Of all the places to do that, you know, I, I mean, perhaps this isn't a topic we should dwell on in any d degree of detail, but Rory, I'm glad you're listening to us on Six Music, because there are worse ways to entertain yourself on a bus journey. <laughs> this is BBC Six Music, you're listening to Russell Brand. 
that was Suede, Stay Together. Suede have like reformed now, aren't they, as uh, the Tears. Like, it's like Brett and Bernard uh, got back together as a band. But like, like if you go to any of their gigs, right, and like sort of as the Tears, you say, oh, this is quite good. I'm feeling quite nostalgic about the past. You might feel, like they refuse to like revisit any of their suede back catalogue so if you go and see the tears and something oh oh them were the days or oh, play play animal nitrate and say, what i beg your pardon we are the tears i think it's suede you're thinking of no 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 we'll all we'll play beautiful ones beautiful ones that'd really take me back i remember when i met my girlfriend beautiful ones that was the anthem of the day I do apologise, we, as the tears, will certainly not be playing any of that mumbo-jumbo. They've divorced themselves. I reckon what happened now is they'll probably have another argument, as the tears, right, they'll fall out again, and then sort of like they'll reform and call themselves, like, you know, one last try, or something like that, or failed marriage, or locked together out of mutual need, right, and then they won't do any more of the tears songs. They've got to break this cycle at some point, haven't they? That was Forest Fire by Lloyd Cole and the Commotions. That was a, a, a live session that was recorded for Richard Skinner, right, on uh, Radio 1, 5th of July, 1984. It's one of them session things. That's good. Um, so, yeah, we're in that Christmas purgatory week, aren't we? Like, oh, what day is it? I don't know. Today's, well, it's actually, well, it's coming up to a Wednesday now, but it's also meaningless, isn't it? Christmas Eve, Boxing Day. What is the actual day? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, right? So we've been, like, sort of talking about Christmas and analysing Christmas, trying to ground ourselves, trying to find some facts. Carl just told me, you know that, uh, thing, like, sort of in, in the First World War, 1914 to 1918, or whenever it was, like, there was that, famously, that football match between the English and the Germans in no man's land on Christmas Day. It's one of those beautiful things. Go on. No, it, apparently it didn't happen. I thought it did. I thought it did. We all, as a, as a, as a nation, as a continent, I think, believe that there was that football match between the English and the Germans, Christmas Day, oh, the guns fell silent, and it's a beautiful, poignant football match that showed, oh, even though there's this war on, we're not so different, and it shows the futility and senselessness of war, but you're saying that, how do you, why do you think that did not happen, Carl? Um, well, a little bit of me says, you know, they're going into battle, who decided to take a football with them? Right, yeah, okay. So there's, there's that. Is that is that sort of thing that's niggling me a bit? Because you'd be carrying a lot of stuff, a lot of rifles, football checklist, sort of right. Yeah, got the bullets, got the grenades. Hang on a minute, he's got the football. Yeah, I just can't. Yeah, case there's a case there's a Christmas kickabout as well. Oh, have you bought some fudge fingers? Have you bought some butter brandy? Yeah, brandy, but you would you wouldn't bring a football, uh, would you? You wouldn't assume that there's going to be a Christmas Day. Trist. I mean, we'll, we'll chuck it out there, you know, on the text. So, uh, yeah, so send a text these days. Send it, us so. a text if you know for a fact that's true. Were you there? 64046. Yeah, send us that because I'd like to know. Because, yeah. like, that's an, if that is an apocryphal tale, right? Apocryphal meaning something reputedly true, but actually just like nonsense. No. Yeah, right. For an example of an apocryphal tale, Carl is, um, you know, George Washi Washington, the first uh, president of the United States, apparently, like, you know, they say, that he chopped down uh, a cherry tree, right, on his father's grounds, and uh, his father said, George, did you chop down that cherry tree? And he went, Father, I cannot tell a lie. Yes, I did. His father was so impressed by this display of honesty that he just went, oh, well, don't worry about the cherry tree then. Son, you're, you're a very good lad. Right, so that's an, an example of an apocalypse. Could, could, could he have blamed someone else? Was anyone else around? 
when well, he cut the tree down. So, no, no, because this is an example, right, of not about, like, you know, sort of, it weren't like he was up against it. It's not like George Washington's dad had him in a sort of a prime suspect scenario where yeah. if George Washington didn't come clean, he was going to get caught anyway. It's about George Washington's integrity and morality, so that's why that tale has come about, because it demonstrates, oh, George Washington, what a good man, because it ain't actually true, it never even happened, right? It's just to demonstrate that he was an honest and decent man, and it illustrates the idea of sort of like, you know, sort of like, say you and I, like, on our way home tonight, we nicked some equipment from this studio, like that, that computer, that, that computer screen yeah. thing, if we nick that, right, but we probably won't nick it, and, but the reason that we're not nicking stuff from here, it's probably, is it because of fear of consequences, or is it because, oh no, it's wrong to steal from Six Music, it's a good radio station, it's an authentic, you know, music based, so let's not nick none of their stuff, or is it because we think there'll be consequences? Carl, what do you think? What, what are you asking me? Why? I'm asking you. What I've already got a laptop, I've got a laptop at home. Alright then, the stapler, why aren't you gonna nick the st- are you gonna nick- Do you know what, I can't remember the last time I used one of them. I've oh. never, I don't need one. <laughs> I've never, I haven't <laughs> used them for ages. Do you know when I was on jury duty, right? Yeah, jury, jury month, duty recently. I, mean, I can't talk about it and stuff, because you're not allowed. No, now you think you're some justice master. Well, well you know, I've got Like pissed. a superhero, yeah. that's an, underst- an innate understanding well, we of right done it, and maybe one day you'll be the chosen one. You were randomly and chosen for that jury duty. You say that, though, so people sort of don't feel bad if they don't get picked, but I reckon they've gone, let's get Pilkington in. No, I don't think so, because like, like, I remember reading, because I like, remember reading stories about that case while it was ongoing, and it said things like, Eleven members of the jury got on with their jobs dispensing justice, whereas the twelfth member was causing a lot yeah. of aggravation and yeah. that. I thought that's Carl Pilkinson upsetting the rules of justice. The main judge was loving it. He sort of said, "You've done a great job there." What to you yeah. specifically? Right, to, to all of us, but he was looking at, at looking at me no. when he said it and stuff. I reckon. But, but no, anyway, listen. I'm not allowed to talk about it. You keep right. going on about it. So and you stuff. brought it up, yeah, didn't you? I'm just saying. But something that I used there that I haven't mm. used for years, right? Pencil sharpening. You sharpen pencils? Well, I, I didn't do it, but I was close to because they give you pencils to write your notes and stuff. Yeah. I saw one there, mm-hmm. I was close to using it, and I thought, <laughs> will I use it because I haven't used it in ages, or will I try and keep it up and not use it? Well, like, sort of a personal challenge, go the rest yeah. of your life. Yeah. It's interesting because there's probably, f- there is a finite time, a number of times that you will use a pencil sharpener now for the rest of your life. You might only sharpen another two pencils for the whole rest oh, of your yes. life. Yeah. Terrifying to think about. So if you know about that First World War thing, oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Give us a bell. Six four zero four six. We just want to know if it happened or if it didn't or whatever. And that will put another song on. Yeah, that was REM Electrolyte. Before that, it was Loneliness Shines. Malcolm Middleton. Um, this is BBC Six Music. I'm Russell Brand here with Carl Pilkington. We've got some nice text messages, right? Um, Roy from Liverpool. He's enjoying the show and he's. Querying whether or not that, because we were talking about the football match, the was it apocryphal that football match in First World War when the Germans and the English played a football match on Christmas Day? It was like a one-day truce. Right. Um, got a text message here from uh, well, this anonymous person he goes, "I don't know if the match happened, but I get fed up with people believing everything they hear. He's had enough of people just believing things." Do you think that's a good attitude, Carl? To yeah, fed up with. I don't. Know, I I like sort of reading stuff though and going. Yeah, you oh. absorb a lot of information, don't you? Only sort of stuff that interests me. Though. Like the last last few days, I've read about how uh, like dogs, right? Yeah. They know if you're ill. Like there's little dogs that are running about, and if you've say got like a little, uh, let's not bring it down too much, but say like a little tumor in your leg. Right. right? So probably just assist. 
Yeah, all right then, yeah. Yeah, all it's right. not malignant. But I don't know how good the dog is. I don't know if it would know if it's a cyst. I'm not su- 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 suggesting that the dog does a full-on diagnosis, Can't I'm just saying that just for the purposes of this example, let's say it's a non-malignant tumour, it's just a cyst, it's just water retention, it's right. nothing to worry about, but the dog still knows. So the dog, the dog sort of goes, oh, what's going on here? Yeah, how does he express that? I'm, I'm not sure, I didn't read... See, this is probably an example, like, this gentleman or woman saying, like, you know, I get fed up with people believing everything they hear. He's probably be fed up with you believing that, because, right, how does the dog know, right, one thing, is it just know. some intuition? How does he communicate that he's in possession of that knowledge? I like, don't know. Like, that dog that went sausages, oh, sausages, tumour, ah, tumour, carcinogens. I think, you know what I mean? I don't think that the dog will be able to relay that but complex was a, the, information. Th- there was another one as well that, um... They gave to people who had fits. Right? Another dog. Yeah, there's loads of different types of dogs. Well, this one's I mean, good for fits. If it's fits you're having, sir, you've might well, have this dog. Because don't flash around near its eyes, well, it, it will panic. It had to be a small one because what it would do, it would sense that its owner is about to have a fit before even the person did. Right. right. And it would wrap itself around the fella's head so that. When he like a dog hat to project, protect his head, like a dog crashing. I don't believe you because it sounds like a cartoon where a woman's wearing a fox fur and then the fox turns to him and goes, We really shouldn't be at this banquet. I don't think that that sort of thing really happens in life. Dogs wrapping themselves around people's heads. That should go on the list. I think it's quite feasible there may have been a Christmas Day truce between Germany and England mad football match, although it is, it makes you think, yeah, who fought to pack the football during a World War situation. That's more easy for me to believe than a dog wrapping itself around someone's head before, it has, before that person has a fit. That's only because you, you, you're choosing now, aren't you? You're sort of going, I don't want to believe that. Whereas well, I'm open to it. It's yeah. like, well, let's see. You know. Don't try to come across as if you're a prophet, Carl. Like, and I'm like some unbeliever, some doubting Thomas figure. Like, oh, you, there's none so blind as yeah, them what won't see. Like, you can wrap the dog around your head to prevent you having fits. I just said to you, though, I said, oh, and something else I read was, like, um, picking your nose is, yeah. they're saying it's now good for you. Yeah. And you're going, oh yeah, brilliant, I'm happy about that. <laughs> so you pick and choose what you want to... Bogies! Is what I pick and choose. <laughs> Mucus! Yeah, uh, but no, there's at least some logic to that, like, you know, like, it's pure, it is, if you pick your nose it's good for you because it, you, you told me this, yeah, because yeah, it's, it's cleaning out, out yeah. impurities, right? So there's a logic to that, it's feasible, isn't it? It's not such a leap as believing that canines will wrap themselves around someone's head out of just because a prescient dog reckons that the person's going to have a fit. Just find that difficult to believe, Carl. Yeah, I'd love it now, right, if there's someone who's just listening to six music, yeah. a little dog wrapped around Having a fit, like, right. just go, well, hold on I'd a minute, let me it. just prize Fido away from my luggo, listen to this, oh my word, why, why is this person refusing to believe the simple truth, these naysayers? Well, text us if, if you've heard of that, 64046, and it's not, you know, that's, that's what I've heard. Right. That's all I'm saying. Okay, alright, fair enough. Um, like, if you've got any information on that, what's it, 6404? 64046, yeah. Nice. Just, just text in. Okay, uh, it's gone midnight now, it's going quite late, we're into our final hour. Um, you know, we were talking about suede and the tears before, uh, it's very separate identity. Um, Nathan from London says, it looks like tears have all but split up already, cancelled gigs and talk of discontent by Brett and Byrne. What's, what kind of relationship are those two men in? Why can't they all get together? What is it? You know, it's like they're bound together by cr- by some sort of creative shared mm. ideal, but... It's just some people don't try hard enough, do they? It's like relationships now. Weddings don't last long, and that, do they? People get married and they can't hack it. 
I reckon that Brett and Bernard should get some sort of dog, perhaps just a corgi or something, and when it senses they're going to have a little row, it just wraps itself very quickly around Bernard's head <laughs> and sort of grabs Brett by the ghoulies. That was XTC, The Disappointed. Um, this is Russell Brand, this is BBC Six Music. I like that, The Disappointed. My favourite XTC track is that one that goes really high, really high, like a really high thing, say a sunflower. I really like that, I can't remember what it's called. Just give us a text if you know and uh, you can tell us. We've got some other texts, right? Um, you know we're talking about the, that famous football match in World War One, where on Christmas Day there was a truce, the English and the Germans played a football match. Oh, oh the, the insanity of war is thereby demonstrated. We wondered if that was an apocryphal tale or if it actually happened. We've got um, a couple of text messages. Yes, it did happen. Please stop talking rubbish and play music. Our TV licence is paying for you two to have a chat. Shut up. That's quite like a, aggressive, but at least the information is has been included in that. Yes, the match did happen. Sorry about that, you know. But we're not actually being paid very much for, for this, so don't feel grudged and also like I've, I've got a TV license as well so in a way it's like a vortex of endless mirrors pointing at each other right and there's another text message here it says according to the last Tommies on BBC One the other week where WW1 soldiers related tales of war it did happen that's from Roger in Blackpool so alright and the balance of this evidence that did happen that football match Carl so there you are so whatever you heard people saying that it didn't happen that's just people just trying to ruin your appreciate because that's like it demonstrates the beauty of human nature doesn't it oh even during this war all this senseless killing millions of young men since their death human spirit conquered that just for a, a couple of hours they played football must have been a strange match though i'm thinking yeah i heard, I heard something else about war and that right yeah this little um got a japanese fella right? yeah uh, i think it was in the war in about the 70s would that have been Vietnam War or something? Vietnam, Cambodia, you know, I think those were the 70s, 70s wars. Right, well there was this little fella, right, who, who was so dedicated to being a soldier, yeah. that his, his boss, I don't know, is that a sergeant or a... Yeah, I guess it's a sergeant, captain, Right, you know. well the captain said to him, right, listen you lot, because there was about 30 of them, mm. he said, we're going into war now, this is your job, right? Yeah. We don't want anyone sort of... Not trying the best. It's important. <laughs> no, no shirking. You, you're fighting for your country and everything, right? Yeah. And they all went off, and one by one they got broken up a little bit. Yeah, you know, that's either, bad organisation. Either, either killed or mm. bottled it or whatever. Drifted off. But this one fella, I can't remember his name, which is a bit bad because he was a grafter. You know, yeah. He gave it 100%. He, um, he, he carried on, right? Sort of working his way through the, through like the woods or wherever the, the battle was going on. Yeah. And he got split up from all the others, and he kept going and going, right? And like, surviving in the woods for years and years, right? And because he was on his own, he didn't know that the war was over. Yeah. The war had ended, right? He just carried The captain on. fella, probably retired. Yeah. But for 30 years, this little fella... He just carried on. He carried on, because he didn't know it was over, so he was living in the woods and stuff. And I think what happened at the end... This kind of got on the news because his family was like, "Where's our little whatever his name is?" Right? Yeah. Uh, he went out to battle. We don't know where he is. What's We're not going on for thirty years? It's going on and on. Mm. And then some kid was walking through the woods or something. Yeah. Saw this fella, and he said, "What are you doing here?" Right. 
Yeah. And he, uh, he said, oh, I'm, I'm still in war and that. He goes, what war? What are you talking about? Right. It ages ago. And he was like, no, I don't believe you. <laughs> right? So the kid wandered off and he went to find the sergeant. Who is this kid? What's that sort of sleuth kid? He was, I'll find that sergeant, so help me he, God. He went to the, found the sergeant who'd retired and everything. He said, look, sergeant, yeah. what's his name? Let's call him, I don't know, give him a name. Dave. So, Dave, right? Dave's still in the woods. And he's like, you're joking, aren't you? Yeah. He said, no, Dave still thinks the war's going on. Will you at least come and see him and let him know it's all over because yeah. he doesn't believe anyone, right? He's anyway, dedicated. So Dave, uh, so the kid and the sergeant, the sergeant got the sergeant, went to see Dave and, uh, If the sergeant's that near to the woods, couldn't he have just popped in? He didn't know, he didn't he know oblivious. Dave, just on he, the he thought Dave the died or whatever, given yeah. up, ran off. He didn't know and, and they gave him a load of money and that, so look, we owe you back pay. Right. And gave him like 30 years pay or something. <laughs> He's been fighting this war. What kind of contribution was Dave making to this war if he can be in the woods 30 years? He's not seeing anybody, he's not shooting anyone, there's no war happening. What did he, what did he think military life was about? Just being in the woods? Sounds like an Enid Blyton story, he's just a man in the woods. That's, that's where all the stuff goes nothing. on though, doesn't it? And it's sort of... Well, yeah, but it's got to be some sort of conflict, some sort of combat, isn't it? I mean, well, like, not really, no. We've just been talking about a load of army people playing football. So. Well, so you could have just been there doing keepy ups for 30 years alone. Sing Me Spanish Techno by the new pornographers is a BBC Six Music on Russell Brand. That's alright, wasn't it? I enjoyed listening to that. Um, well, I've got some text messages here because we were talking about the First World War. Did that football match happen on Christmas Day? Right. We've got, what have we got? It happened. This, this is from Dan in Liverpool. He goes, It happened according to the farms altogether now. Right, he says, why not play it and find out? Well, we might do later, I'm not sure. But you're all together now in no man's land. Together, no man's land. So, right, I mean, I'm not saying that perhaps, you know, the farm, um, they're not sort of his historians of much repute, you know, are they? But look, a great band, but can we trust them on history? You know, it's, I don't know if their word can be final on it. But it seems that that next further tips the balance in the favour of that football match did happen. We've got the farm, we've got a BBC documentary, it seems a lot of, a lot of support behind it. A few other text messages that we should clear up. Alright, Paul, go from Lurgan, reckons, he goes, surely there would have been mines on the pitch and mud. So he reckons that the, the match might have been, also I think, you know, been difficult to enjoy the match with, like, like you know, not only worried about, oh god, I can, Bend this ball into the flight of the outside right, and then think. Oh, and also, I mustn't step on a mine. Uh, also, do you think? Sort of say that there was sort of a, a fight or something on the pitch. And you sort of think, oh god, no, you all bugged me when we went for that header. You sort of think, oi, you know. But then you think, well, you know, tomorrow I might kill him. Mm. So it's like it's sort of put sort of sort of Vinnie Jones style aggressive behaviour into in, into a, a new perspective, right? Also. I've heard, I've heard of dogs doing that, and it was on the telly. Oh, right, this is from Callum in Scotland. He's heard that thing that you've heard about, about the illnesses. Dogs knowing about illnesses. Yeah, right? but I, they, they, Callum doesn't go as far as to say that you know dogs being able to detect illness will then wrap themselves around the head of someone who's about to have a fit. And I frankly don't think that it, that's likely. Um, but another text message: Cheer up, guys. We're quite we're quite cheerful. This that's Catherine. She says that we need to cheer up. I feel quite upbeat, as a matter of fact, considering the time of night. And we're in that Christmas, New Year's Eve purgatory. Yeah. I think we're doing enough. We're I think we're alright. Rory, um, Rory was travelling home from the airport. who would had a nightmare flight. He's finally reached home. He's going to get out his Ricky Gervais calendar. He's saying that now. Why is he going to do that now? It's not the New Year. 
this something to do with you? Isn't that bad luck? Don't get it out yet, Rory. It's bad luck. Find some other way of amusing yourself. You're back home now, so onanism at home isn't as bad as on the bus. If you were interfering yourself on the bus, I'd have been concerned. Now you're back home, you know, go to it. Get up to whatever you want. Also, we've got, um, Rory, um... Roy in Liverpool had requested that we wanted us to play a killing joke. Well, we're going to do that. Let's do that now. Yeah. Oh, why not? BBC Six Music. That was Sly and Robbie with Boots. You're listening to Russell Brand and Carl Pilkington. That Sly and Robbie track took you back, didn't it, mate? It did, yeah. Go it's on. weird, that. Why? Just, just because it's just weird, isn't it, how music can bring memories right back. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's really an astonishing phenomenon. What has that brought back for you? I, I think that was from about, about 86 or 87, right? And yeah. I was working in Cordon Bleu supermarket, right? Stacking shelves and stuff. And that, that used to be on. It, you, you know, like, you get these, cause it's not like today where they have, like, loads of music being played and they have, like, their own radio stations now, don't they? In, yeah. In supermarkets and stuff. They're about supermarkets, do they? Radio. Yeah, they do, yeah, yeah. They have, like, radio whatever the yeah. supermarket is and stuff. But back then, in Cordon Bleu, right, I think I can mention it, shut down, I'm not doing it any favours. Well, I don't know, maybe they'll hear this and they'll think, let's resurrect Cordon Bleu. Yeah, mate, this show's back on the road. It was, it was grim, though. And I ended up getting, I mean, there was loads of things that yeah. I did that got me the sack. But yeah. the main one, was, um, I got put on the frozen, frozen stuff. Yeah. In the fridges and stuff, right? And, um, I was packing it, I was stacking it all up and that, all the chickens and the fish fingers, and there was a bag of chicken drumsticks, right? And one of the chicken legs fell out, and I thought, well, that seems a bit of a waste, right? So I priced it up, put yeah. like 12 pence on it, for anyone who was passing, go, oh, one chicken leg. Yeah. 12p. And they sacked you for that. But, yeah, that was the main, that was like one of the, the things in all the things that I'd done. I agree with them, because I don't think you should be making cordon bleu policy decisions like that, Carl, on your own. You're just a shop worker, you can't think, oh, right, that chicken leg, I'll but price it, it that But it would have gone in the bin, so what's the problem? And if someone wants to buy it... It just makes the shop look a bit cheap, doesn't it? There's like a chicken leg with a price tag on it. Reasonable, not cheap. 12 <laughs> pence. <laughs> I think that's, <laughs> that's all right. I'd be disgusted by that. So, right, so that, if you listen to Slime Robbie, he just suddenly got away when, when I heard leg. the start of that, it was like, oh, it used to be that and Bruce Springsteen with Born to Run. Must have been the same year. They take you back, uh, 1987, they take you back to 1987, pricing up chicken legs. Yeah. Many people would argue that's where you should be in 2005 and 2006, pricing up chicken legs instead of polluting the airwaves with your ridiculous theories. Right, but like, I'm like, isn't it that, um, that's, that's like the musical equivalent of Proust, like the French writer Proust going, like, oh, when he had this type of cake, Magdalene cakes, I think they were, he took one bite of that and all, and his mind goes flooding back to his school days, you know, just like the smell of those and the taste of those cakes. There's parts of our mind are enmeshed with certain experiences, like, so, for you, Sly and Robbie takes you back to pricing up a chicken leg. I think that's probably what Sly and Robbie had in mind when they wrote that track of Boop. <laughs> well, they probably thought, but why is Proust getting sort of, you know, why is he remembered for saying what I just said? I didn't know he said it, right? Mm. And I said it. He probably put it all articulately, didn't he, beautifully, you know, in, in French and in a book. He probably weren't just sat around here at Six Music going, oh, well, I'll just price up a chicken leg and that, and that made a decision for myself. You can't expect that. Are you saying that you are Proust's equal on account of that you've arrived at the same conclusion, albeit by some clanking allegory about the experience you had at Cordon Bleu? Mm, 
Yeah, because we've all we've all seen the same thing, aren't we? Yeah, I suppose you are. But Proust is like you know he's a writer, isn't he? So everything is about it's about language. What he's doing is about the beautiful manner in which it was written. Not only the observation, but the way it was articulated. Not that I have read that thing. I think that you know, in one way, Carl. Yeah, you're, what you have said is as valuable as the work of Proust. But in another way, you are a worthless retrobate, and he is a very grand writer. Fleetwood Mac with Long Grey Mare. This is BBC Six Music. I'm Russell Brand. Before Long Grey Mare, we had, uh, I understand it, Idlewild. It's been all right, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, I'm Russell Brand. This, um, I'm here with Carl Pilkinson. We're looking after Namone's spot while she's away. It's almost the end of our show now. It's coming up to um, one o'clock, but we're going to be back tomorrow and the next day while Namone's off doing God knows what that woman's up to. What is her surname? It's, it's, it's a mystery. She don't say it, I think, for tax reasons, or, like, you know, she's just keen to maintain anonymity. I don't know what the reasons are. But, like, over the last couple of hours, like, it's, it's been quite valuable, and it's been informative and educational, right? I think the one thing we can definitely conclude, that that football match, which we queried, was it apocryphal, did it actually happen, or was it a real genuine event, we, I think we can conclude from the farm and from the text message we got that that football match did happen on Christmas Day 1915 or whenever it was supposed to be during the First World War, so that's a good thing, yeah. right? That's one thing we've learned. Um, decimal calendars can versus... Can I just say on the wall yeah, thing, go on. right? Because once we've wrapped up the wall... We're it's over, we're not going back. That's a, which is the way you should approach Definitely. war. Definitely. Yeah, it's happened, one, it's over. It, move on. Yeah. Move on. But did they really do the thing with the white flag as well? Yeah, I think that's just a general thing that happens, yeah. I mean, I don't know what you... Why are you bringing that up now? Cause just, just, because, wars. just because we've just said, like, you know, I didn't think it would have happened because I don't know who would have took a football with them. Mm. But if I was in charge of an army... Yeah. I wouldn't give them a white flag. Because it sets the wrong tone, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> Bring your white flags, I've got a very bad feeling about this battle. Yeah, so get on with it. Don't give them, you know, reasons to start waving a flag about and ending it. Don't even fight to the end. Pack a white flag. No, don't give it them. Is I'd it? rather give them the football. Like the football, at least that's good for morale, isn't it? Like, like uh, okay, lads, yeah, bring some bullets. Better take a white flag. I'm not feeling confident. They look ever so butch, some of them German boys. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't think I think they would use their pants or something like a handkerchief. I mean, I don't think they'd pack white oh, flags sorry. in the event that this war goes dreadfully. I think you've got to approach war in a much more upbeat manner. Oh, right. That's what, what I'd say. What else? pants. The multi-purpose is them flags. They wouldn't have had flags. Oh, um. Right, that thing you said about, like, dogs, we've had, like, Callum from Scotland says, right, about, you know, Carl earlier said that there are dogs you can get that, um, will, uh, if you're epileptic, they sense you're about to have a fit and then they jump up on your shoulders and wrap themselves round your head like a canine crash helmet. Yeah. Well, we've got uh, a text message from Callum in Scotland. He says, the wrapping round the head bit is poppycock. The dog will bark to alert a fit and lie beside the person as they have it. That sounds feasible, that, like, you know, it can intuitively sense there's going to be a fit. What I will not accept, Carl Pilkington, is that that dog will then leap onto the shoulders of the person and protect their mind like that. That's preposterous. That's, that's what he said. I don't understand how a bark's good enough, because it could just be someone at the door and you're not ill. Because <laughs> this is a highly trained dog, isn't it? It's like, it's a, there's somebody at the door. Perhaps it can distinguish. Perhaps it does a different, you know, bark for that or something. But, yeah, I, I, I like it that you can accept that the dog, uh, like, you know, that's unreasonable. The dog might bark because there's someone at the door. But, but you will accept that the dog will jump up on someone's shoulders and wrap it around like a dog hat to protect people. Your facility for uh, sorting information out is broken. 
as far as I'm, you don't know what is good information and what's bad. I'm surprised you don't address yourself. I'm surprised you managed to get here, right? So I think we can conclude that uh, right, that right, that that to a point is true, but not to the ridiculous degree that you claimed. Oh. Whether or not that Japanese man in the army—I mean, you hear stories about that, but I think that might be another one of those apocryphal tales. That, you know, the Japanese man—he goes on fighting for another fifty years. What was he doing? You know, what was he? Who was he fighting? What did that war entail? I think, I think it was Vietnam. I think it was. Why are the Japanese fighting in that war? Well, because you got to do with them. You know, I mean, I was, you know, sort of. I'm not, I don't want to be exclusive, but the Vietnam War was between the Vietnamese and the Americans. But to turn up from Japan to join in, it's not. You know, it's not, it's not an holiday. It's not an eighteen to thirty war, right? And the other thing that we, uh, I wanted to say about is. Um, Oh, that Proust thing and your crazy rhubarb about, um... Oh, yeah, they, yeah, this is the most important thing is, like, we're getting close to truth from, like, by collating and gathering all different opinions and different bits of information from a great number of people, we're getting closer to truth. Here's this thing, this experiment that was done. You know, if you go to a church fake, Carl, like, you know the horrors that can happen to you at church fake, you were thrown off on all sorts of church fake yeah, once, yeah, weren't you? Yeah. Let's not go down that road because I think that's marginal. Do you know what? Do you yeah. reckon we should hold this story, right? Because we're back tomorrow night. If we've got them now, right, the listeners, they'll be going. Well, hold off the wait. story. Yeah, just because we've got like three and a half minutes to fill, and we've got a track, and that will get us nice. What's going to be the final track? Probably uh, if you don't use jelly, flaming lips. Okay, let's do that. But to tune in tomorrow because we've got a, a mind-blowing story about how. We as one consciousness will respond better than we do as individuals. Thanks for listening. Have a, have a, have a little bit of sleep now or continue listening to Six Music and uh, we'll be back tomorrow carrying the moon's package for her. Take care. <laughs>